This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Nevada is about to get over $55 million in federal money to help bring high-quality, affordable broadband access to thousands of Nevadans. Yesterday, we talked about this on the podcast, how providers like Cox and CenturyLink basically have a chokehold over our local market. Definitely go listen to that one. But today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking with state official Brian Mitchell about how Nevada may be getting screwed over by the FCC too, but also how Las Vegas still have a really good shot at better internet. It's Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Brian Mitchell is the director of the Office of Science, Innovation, and Technology for the state of Nevada. Welcome to CityCast Las Vegas, Brian Mitchell. Thanks for having me on, David. It's exciting to be here. Well, there's some news out there that seems very exciting. We're hearing that Nevada is about to get $55 million for broadband and that this will allow for 40,000 more people in our communities to get better internet access. So let me ask right off, who are those 40,000 people that this program is designed to help? Yeah, they're folks who live in tax-subsidized housing that's managed by one of the three state housing authorities. So these are folks who are, are low income, they qualify to live in a, uh, a tax-subsidized housing unit, and the funds will go to upgrade the internet connections within those apartment complexes whether they be large apartment complexes with 100 more units or all the way down to small duplexes that are that are managed by the housing authorities. I hope this isn't an obvious question, but I think it's one of interest is why do folks need high quality Internet? What are the stories that you're hearing about people who don't have access to it? You know, I think the uh, the pandemic really showed us how important an access to a high quality Internet connection is. You know, when when kids, for example, couldn't go to school, schools turned to virtual learning. And if you were uh, living in a household that didn't have a residential broadband subscription, you know, there were stories of kids who were sitting in the McDonald's parking lot in their car, hmm. typing up a turn paper on, a, on their cell phones, right, or on their parents' cell phone, you know, because they didn't have access to a computer or didn't have access to the internet at home. There were kids in rural areas that had to do school completely by paper and pencil because there was no internet access in, in their town that could facilitate the type of uh, speeds that are required by distance learning. When you look beyond education, it's, it's healthcare, it's, it's helping folks who don't have transportation to be able to utilize telehealth to be able to see their, their specialist or their doctor, or maybe to be able to visit a specialist in another state. There's a huge movement to work from home and, and folks need the, the kind of bandwidth to be able to work from home. You know, I think the pandemic really revealed how, how important this is. Uh, it's no longer a luxury for society. 
The FCC creates these maps of internet access that determines a lot of things, including probably how much funding Nevada would be eligible for. I heard that the deadline to challenge those maps was January 13th. What challenges specifically did Nevada submit to the FCC mapping to make sure they got it right? Yeah, let me start off by explaining why the map is important. Congress asked the FCC to create a new map that uh, is based on where folks live, so based at the location level. It's a much more granular map than the federal government had ever created in the past, which was based on census tracts. Mm. Uh, that's a good thing, and I think it'll really help to be able to shine a light on where, where better broadband is needed. The biggest pot of federal money that the state will receive for broadband will be based on the number of unserved locations according to that FCC map. And so it's really important for us and for Nevadans to understand that the accuracy of the map will determine how much money the state receives in order to solve our digital divide issue. So when we took a look at the map, we realized that there were a lot of locations that were missing, people's homes that, that just weren't listed on the map. And then there were also um, locations where we felt that the uh, stated coverage in the map was overstated in terms of whether or not it was really able to deliver a high quality broadband service to people. So the state submitted about 25,000 location challenges. These were to add missing locations to the map. And then we also submitted about 20,000 challenges. Service really wasn't available and the, the map wasn't accurate in that way. It's a long process. It'll take a couple of months for the FCC to adjudicate those challenges. Um, but we're hopeful that at the end of the process, the map will be accurate and, and we'll be able to get our fair share of the dollars. Why do you think that the FCC made those kind of mistakes or left those kind of gaps on a map for us? You know, this is kind of the first time creating a map like this for everybody, right? So the FCC had to put together a nationwide map that had every single location that could take a broadband service. And that's really hard to do. You know, when you look at satellite imagery and, and, and tax records and, and other things like that, you know, you look at a particular location, is it a barn or is it really a home, right? So that, I think there were some missing locations in that regard, and the map will get better over time. You know, the other half of the map is availability and what that looks like, whether a broadband service is available there. And I know there were a lot of challenges uh, that providers faced in, in doing something new for the first time. So... Um, I think it's a um, it's an iterative process, and we're hopeful the second and third time, you know, through the process, it'll it'll improve. Brian, how does how do speeds work into that? The ISPs, the internet service providers, are saying, "Oh, here's what we have, here's what we don't have." Are are their speeds audited? Are there challenges to the speeds that they're presenting by the state, by by your office or others? In in some cases, what we challenge is whether or not any service exists at a location, and we may also challenge whether this, the advertised speed exists. That one's a little tricky because if you, for example, say, man, my internet's really slow, you know, it could be a, it could be a problem with your provider, with their equipment, but it could also be that you have a really old computer or maybe you're, you know, you're working in your basement as opposed, and the uh, router is in the, on the other side of the house in the garage. So there's a lot of different, you know, kind of reasons why speed is, a, is tough to, to challenge and it may not be the provider's fault. And so we, we try to dig into those where, you know, where appropriate. But did you challenge the map on speeds at all? We did. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate the context, but uh, a lot of people I know in Las Vegas, even if they're not necessarily low income or, you know, working in the 
one or two basements that do exist in Clark County. <laughs> not a not a not a basement heavy area, but people do complain about our internet access. I mean, they say it's expensive, it sucks, and we only have two options for providers. What do you say to those folks? So, what I would say is that there are opportunities, I think, for folks who uh, feel like their internet is a little slow to take a speed test. And you can compare your speed test results. So we have a um, we have a speed test on our website, and 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 perhaps we can provide a link to that. And folks can you know take that speed test and then compare it to what their provider says that they're paying for. And so like the advertised ingredients, and then actually yeah. running a test to see if they're in there, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And and that might be a good way to kind of start thinking about what the problem might be. Maybe it's you know maybe it's a problem with you know your router, or maybe it's a problem with the provider, you know, but that's, that's kind of the first step to see what's going on. But it could also be on the providers too. They might be doing something other than what's being advertised. And is that a problem to your office or someone else in the state? So if a provider isn't providing or, or isn't able to provide their, the advertised speeds, the way to remedy that would be to file a, a consumer complaint with the FCC's consumer complaint division and they investigate those. And then I did ask as a compound question, as we say in the legal world, about expense. There's a lot of complaint about how just expensive and out of reach internet access is getting and that there's only two companies you could go to and they both kind of charge the same. Uh, what do you say to those folks? Affordability is, is, a, is a big concern of ours and it's a big concern of, of these federal programs. So, um, you know, let's talk low income affordability and then middle class affordability, right? On the low income side, Low-income folks really, you know, that are struggling to pay rent and, and put food on the table oftentimes aren't able to afford even a, even a cheap internet connection. Right. And so one of the programs I think that we're trying to really get the word out about is the Affordable Connectivity Program. It's a $30 a month subsidy program. A lot of the big companies in the state like Cox or Charter or AT&T offer a low-income plan that costs $30 a month. And so basically, if you qualify, you can get your internet for $0 out of pocket. Anyone who um, qualifies for Medicaid or SNAP or some of the other uh, public assistance programs or has a child in the school lunch program, uh, there are a number of other different ways to qualify. So we're trying to get as many people um, enrolled as possible in the program. Statewide, the average enrollment of, among those who are eligible is a little over 40%. But I, I did want to give a shout out to um, zip code 89101 that leads the state with 83% um, of those who are eligible enrolled. Oh, downtown, um, downtown. Shout out to downtown Las Vegas. Yeah. So great work there. I think, you know, we've mapped on our website every zip code in the state. So anyone can go and look and see how their zip code is doing. And and it's a good way for, for folks who care about this to design different programs that can, that can help get the word out in, in places where, you know, maybe the enrollment rates are low. I think on middle class affordability, you know, what I would say there is uh, there's a lot of innovation in the broadband space. And there may be, um, you know, there, there are new companies that are coming to Vegas that I've read about just in the, in the regular press. And I think the more competition there is, you know, there, there might be more opportunities for people to switch providers. You know, again, this doesn't have anything to do with the funding that my office is putting out, but, you know, just other companies coming to the state or coming to the area and, and offering their services. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Brian, we recently talked to a guy named Sean Gonsalves from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. He argues that we can solve a lot of these internet woes like cost and speed, et cetera, by investing in municipal broadband networks, by treating the internet more like a public utility, such as water, sewage. Do you, do you agree with that kind of approach? So one thing uh, about municipal broadband is in Nevada, municipal broadband is illegal in municipalities that have more than 25,000 people. Um, so currently, it, currently. Cur- right, right. Yeah, that, that are that that have 25,000 people. So in order to do something like municipal broadband, folks who, who are interested in that would have to pursue a, um, uh, a statutory change at the legislature. You know, my office isn't necessarily focused on municipal broadband. I think we've got a lot of really great provider partners all around the state. And I believe that, you know, better infrastructure and more competition are, are ways that we can achieve the same goal. So you're referring to a, a law that was passed back in 1997 that essentially, like you said, stopped municipalities from creating their own networks. I looked that up and it, it looks like that was something that was perhaps proposed by the telecom companies themselves. I, I saw that Sprint, which was a big player back then, along with some of the other telecom companies at the time, made that presentation, which really feels like a conflict of interest to me. I mean, isn't there a criticism out there that um, if it's benefiting telecom, maybe it doesn't benefit the public and maybe the state should take a position in reevaluating that law and the efficacy of that law? So I, I probably... Um, I'm not in the best position to, you know, to comment one way or the other on, on, on municipal broadband. I think, you know, for us, one of the considerations that we have is that we have a very short time window to expend the funds that, that were given to us by, by the federal government for broadband. And in order to do so, we'll need to uh, work with the partners that we have now. And, and certainly if, if future partners, you know, become available later on, through a legislative change, then, you know, we'll work with anybody. But in the, in the meantime, until, you know, such law has changed, we need to kind of work within the confines, uh, the legal confines that we have before us. I'm going to push one more time and see what you say to this, because you know more about broadband probably than most people in the state. Is there a benefit in any way to the public to exclude the municipalities from being able to participate in presenting their own broadband networks? I don't think that municipal broadband is necessarily a panacea or a, you know, is guaranteed to solve some of the, the problems that we have. With anything, there's downsides. So, you know, there are some, you know, municipalities that have tried it and, and it hasn't worked out for them. Have you looked at municipalities where it has worked? Yeah. And um, I think those municipalities have certain characteristics and it's something that, Man, you're causing me to reach into the deep recesses of my brain to kind of, there are some that have been successful and some that haven't. These are mostly higher income kind of municipalities. So it's, Mm. it's not something that I believe that every community can necessarily make work. Like you take a lot of the really small rural towns. Those folks are just trying to keep the lights on. They don't have the capacity to put together like a customer service organization, a billing operation, you know, a whole tech workforce to go do installs, a marketing division. 
I mean, that's a lot for a municipality, even the size of Henderson, mm. right? You know, it's techs that are going to take the 3 a.m. phone call. I, I think there's a lot of different um, things that municipalities need to think about. It's not just, you know, as simple as turning on a switch. Of course. I mean, think about all the reasons why you hate your current provider, right? And then, like, a municipality has to has to deal with that, right? I mean, a lot of municipalities struggle to fill the potholes and uh, yeah. pick up your trash. But you can always vote those bums out. I can't vote out Cox. <laughs> I can't vote out Cox. They got a basically a monopoly or duopoly. Yeah, there's, I like I said before, I think there's different providers that are looking at the market and you might see competition come in. And that has nothing to do with us. Although I'd imagine that uh, Governor Lombardo would be interested in more competition. That seems to be a tenant. I absolutely, I'm sure he would. Okay. And and so if municipal broadband is off the table in Nevada, and certainly for the short term it is because, you know, even if the legislature does take this up, it wouldn't affect for a while. What solutions can we tackle now about keeping the two major providers, Cox and CenturyLink, accountable or to make a better internet solution for our community? So there are a couple avenues that I would suggest. Um, number one, the state is required to develop two different plans in order to unlock our federal funding. One is an infrastructure plan, and then the other is a digital equity plan. Hmm. Digital equity is, uh, is a term that means, can I afford the internet? Do I have a connected device? Um, and I, do I have enough digital literacy in order to use the internet? in a way to, to improve my life, you know, rather than just consuming like videos, sure, right? Sure. On YouTube. <laughs> you know, so as a part of our planning process, uh, the federal government has identified eight different populations that we need to engage, you know, the, including low income folks, rural folks, folks who are members of racial minorities, veterans, disabled populations, et cetera. Right. And so we're going to be doing a lot of outreach in the next three to four months. And would love to uh, be able to include as much community involvement in those plans. So this is an opportunity for folks who are dissatisfied with their current provider to voice that and the kind of the needs and the barriers that we have to um, high quality Internet that we identify through this planning process will directly impact how we uh, spend funds and, and, and what those plans look like that we submit to the federal government. Brian Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas and giving us a better view of what the internet is doing in our community. Uh, appreciate you and thanks again. Hey, really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Hey, y'all, we've got lots of links for you in the show notes. You could give OSIT input on where to spend the broadband money that's coming. You could even check out the FCC broadband map, go on there, find your own home address or whatever, and challenge the speeds there if you think they're wrong. All right, before you go, here's what's going on in Southern Nevada. Many Clark County parents with little ones are paying upwards of, wait for it, 20% of their annual income on childcare, according to a new report. It's part of a burgeoning nationwide problem with affordable childcare. How much should you be paying? According to the feds, closer to 7%. And good news for a team of science students at Durango High School. Go Trailblazers! They'll be one of 60 teams nationwide competing in a NASA science challenge. Their project will hitch a camera to a NASA balloon to test wavelengths in the atmosphere. Whoa, that sounds pretty sciencey to us. Thank you.
That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Send this episode to your friend who complains about the internet. We know you have them. (laughs) There's a lot. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. All right. Well, you know, hey, (laughs) I'm going to tell you, whoa, yesterday was quite, quite the informational. But today...